Well, it's a good question. Are you coming? It's my question to you this morning. It's been my question over the last couple of weeks. Are you coming? Hopefully the answer is, hopefully the answer is, there we go. That's good. Uh, Here at the beginning of 2020, we are in a short series called All Aboard. Purpose of the series is to help us all get on the same page. In any organization, it's important that the people in the organization understand who the organization is, what the purpose of that organization is, and that they're all on board to go where it needs to go. So we started a couple of weeks ago talking about vision. A vision is simply a picture of what the future could look like if we all do what we're supposed to do. So we, we, un, we unleashed that picture to you. And then last week we started talking about our mission statement. Our mission statement is six simple little words. Do you remember? Here it is, say it with me. It is deeply rooted, growing, strong, producing fruit. Come on, let's say it again. Deeply rooted, growing, strong, producing. Now let me hear you say it, come on. It is deeply rooted, growing, strong, producing fruit. Our mission statement springs out of one passage of scripture. It's Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came. It's right, it's right before he's getting ready to ascend. He died. He rose from the dead. He walked the earth for 40 days, and then he gathered his followers and he commissioned them. In your Bibles, it, it probably says that, the great commission. And here's what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, these these are Jesus' last words on earth. They're critical. Everything we are supposed to do as a church is found right here. We exist for one reason, and that is to make disciples. Now, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, and the way we do that is by working to accomplish two very specific goals. The first one is evangelism. The second one is education. In the the Great Commission, the words are baptizing them, evangelizing, bringing people who do not know Jesus into a relationship with him, and then teaching them education, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, this is our mission statement. Our mission statement is is these six words bringing it to us. Deeply rooted, growing strong, producing fruit. Let's say it again. We are deeply rooted, growing strong, producing fruit. Now, we spent last time talking about the first two words, deeply rooted. They speak of evangelism. We want to lead you, to lead you into a relationship with Jesus. This is personal. This is about you. This is about your coming to Jesus. This is about you coming to a point where you make him both your Lord and your Savior. Savior, he's saving you from hell. Lord, he becomes the boss, the authority in your life. And as we talked last week, we want to help you do that by doing two very specific things. One is to get you to attend a class called Roots. Roots class is, is a class that's for brand new people in our church. And the truth is, some of you haven't been through this class. You've maybe been here for a long time. There, there's a few of you, not very many, a few of you that that would be. We, we want everybody in our church. This is the kicking off place, Roots. The class gives information about important questions. Number one, why Jesus? Why do I need Jesus in my life? 
and how do I accept him? And then it gives important information about the church. Why does God want you to be a part of a church? And specifically, the Grove. Who are we and where are we going? And what are we doing to accomplish what Jesus wants us to accomplish? Now, this is your first step. And if you haven't taken this step yet, our encouragement is to get on board. There, there's, a, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. We're going to have a class towards the, end of, towards the end of the month. We want you to do that. And then from there, we want to move you to Foundations. Foundations is a brand new class. After you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to ground you. We want to put, put your feet on a firm foundation. And this class will provide it. The first thing we're going to talk about in this class is that you can be assured of your salvation. You can know, be certain, be absolutely positive that you're saved. And then we want to take you through a study of the Bible and, and, and how we got the Bible and how the Bible's all fits together and what's the, what, what's the, what's the mission of the Bible and, 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 and how do we know that it really came from God and how do we know that it's really accurate to what was written all those years ago. And we, we, want, to, we want to take all those topics and put them into your head so you can have a firm foundation on your salvation, then on the Bible, which is our book. And then, and then we want to help you to be able to understand that the Bible is your authority and that your life is based on its teaching and, and then to give you helps in your daily Christian walk. Now, the, the, class, the class will be 12 weeks long. It'll function like a small group. And we're in the process now of signing up for the very first uh, run through foundations. What I'm looking for is 15 people to serve as guinea pigs to go with me and, and, and one other person that's probably going to be teaching this along with me and, and, and to go forward. We haven't set a date for the start of this yet, but if you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Now, from, from there, we move to the next two spheres of our mission statement. So we have deeply rooted, and then, we, and then from there, we move to growing strong and producing fruit. And the reason I'm illustrating it this way for you is, is because I want you to hear something very intentional. What de Deeply rooted is, is, is all a one-time decision. You come to Christ, you make him your Lord and your Savior. And, and this isn't something you have to keep doing over and over and over again. You, you come to a point where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you allow him to be that in your life, and you, you, you are firmly planted into the family of God. But the second two pieces of this equation, which are growing strong and producing fruit, are lifelong pursuits. Once you're a Christian, deeply rooted, then you want to spend the rest of your life pursuing God through growing strong and producing fruit. You never stop. You never stop growing, and you never stop being fruitful for the kingdom of God. Now, this morning, we're moving to this second sphere, which is growing strong. We want to, we want to talk with you. We want to walk you through how the Grove is going to help you as we move forward to be this person who is growing strong, as you are a person who are, is in this lifelong pursuit. What habits do you need to put into place in order to be growing strong? Because here's the truth. Nobody grows by accident. If you want to grow in a specific direction, it's intentional and it's purposeful. And that's why we're talking about it this morning. Now, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 50, we, we read about Jesus calling his first disciples. Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, they were invited to follow Jesus. Now, another, another man, along with Andrew, were disciples of John the Baptist. And one day, John the Baptist is preaching and Jesus is coming. And John points to Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God 
who's come to take away the sin of the world. And Andrew and this other person who's unnamed turn, they leave John the Baptist and they start following Jesus. And when Jesus saw them following him, literally following, they, he turned around and he says, what is it that you want? And they said, well, we want to see where you're staying. Meaning, we want to sit down with you. We want to spend some time with you. We want to learn who you are and what you're about. And Jesus' response to that was really simple. Here it is. Come and see. Come and see. Jesus' invitation to everybody that he came in contact with was come and see. Come and check me out. But friends, here's what I want you to know. Jesus never turned to new people and demanded a commitment right at that, right at that point. He never said, he never said, when people said, who are you? He never said, you, you better be sold out for me. No, his first step with people was come and see. But the call of Jesus was never for that come and see to be the last step. The call of Jesus was to come and see and then to grow to depth, be deeply rooted into a relationship with me, and then walk to maturity in your relationship with me. It drives me to say a couple of very critical things about growing. And the first one is this. The Bible actually defines what maturity looks like. In the foundations class, we talk about the importance of the Bible. We want you to be very, very confident that the Bible comes directly from God. And then we want you to understand that this Bible becomes the authority in your life. Now, we're living in a world that derives its authority for truth from any number of sources. In fact, you all are inundated with this on an ongoing basis. We're, we're told that truth comes out of science. If you really want to know what's true, then, then turn to the sciences. They'll tell you what's true. Other people are saying, look to religion. And some people will say, look to any religion because they're all equal, like the, book, the Bible or the Book of Mormon or science and scripture or the Quran. So some people will say, oh, I, have, I have a professor from college, a teacher from high school. That, that, that teacher is the truth giver. I believe whatever that person is saying. The, probably the the most frightening place where truth comes from today is people say, well, I just feel it in my heart. I just know this is true because I had this warm, fuzzy feeling deep down inside. What goes on in my head, that's the source of truth. Now you, if you want to know why we have such a wide range of anger and hostility in our world today, it's right because of this. When our sources of truth do not line up in other words, when our source of truth is different, then we're going to have disagreements. And when we start having disagreements, it can get ugly. And if you want an example of that, just go to Washington, D.C., or just turn on the evening news, because you hear people that are coming from their perspective or their point or their purpose of truth, and what they believe about true truth is different from what I believe about truth. But here's what a Christian knows. And friends, I want, I want, to, I want you to hear me say that. If you want a source of truth, it's right here. The Bible is our source of truth. Come on, somebody say amen to that, please. This is our truth. The Bible is our truth. Would you say that with me? The Bible is our truth. The Bible is our truth, which means the Bible is our authority. I've been pounding this truth more and more and more over the last 10 years. And, and what I believe is that it's just going to become more and more. Randy, this goes to that question you were asking backstage before. 
in Christian circles, we've lost this idea that the Bible is our source of authority. Listen, friends, if you want to know who the Grove is, this is it right here. The Bible is our book. The Bible is our source of authority. The Bible is going to be the, the teaching that guides us, and we are going to be people who pound the Bible and love the Bible and read the Bible and respect the Bible. Come on, amen, yes? The Bible is the Word of God. It's been handed down over the last 3,500 years as Moses wrote those first five books and, and, and until today, 2,000 years ago when it was finished being written. It is, it is God's Word. It is true. It is accurate. It's ev- easily proven to be so. And it therefore stands as the authority of my life. It stands as the authority of the life in this church. It's, it ought to stand as the authority of life of every Christian. And as an encouragement to you, these are all the foundation topics. It's where we're going in foundations because we want you to know this. I can be sure of my salvation because the Bible tells me I can. I can be sure that the Bible is the Word of God because it proves that it is. What we believe, how we live, how we think, what we, what we deem is important, <laughs> and once you know this is going to be the point where I'm going to get this frog in my throat. What we believe, what we, how we think, what we deem is important, it all comes straight from the Bible. It's all defined by the Bible. Now, one of the things the Bible is clear about is what maturity is. The Bible clearly teaches what we are to strive to make our lives look like. And here's the goal. A mature life is a life that reflects Jesus. Jesus said it like this in in Luke 6.40, a student is not above his teacher, but everybody who is fully trained will be like his teacher. What Jesus wants you to do is become like him. Paul said it like this, In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect, complete, mature in Christ. Jesus is our model. The longer we walk with him, the more we should be looking like him. Our life goal is to grow, to look, to act, to think, to speak, to respond, to live like Jesus. Now, friends, what I want you to hear me say this morning is that we, we should imitate Jesus in two very distinct places in our life. The next part of our outline, here at the second half of page one, all of page two, and on to page three of your outline, uh, deals with qualities that speak of maturity. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today. In fact, I'm going to just rush through this really quickly, and I'm going to give you some blanks to fill in. I want you to scribble them. And then really what I want you to do is go home this week and start digging into these qualities, read these passages of Scripture, and start thinking about how they are demonstrated in Jesus' life, and then then ask the bigger question, which is, how are they being demonstrated in my life? If my goal is to reflect Jesus, then how is this quality of His in me? So the, the first place that we ought to be imitating Jesus is in our character. These are attributes, the, the moral traits that, that we live by. And they're, they're based truth that Jesus had at the core of his being. So they, they include love. That first, we should be overflowing with love. That quality of God that causes you 
to, to give of yourself for other people's benefits. The, the, you've decided to put yourself down and lift other people up. And then there's this idea of brimming with compassion. I mean, just a few days before Jesus was crucified, he, he was sitting, looking over Jerusalem. And he, I mean, as he was, he was looking upon the city, his heart was just burdened. He was filled with compassion because the people of Jerusalem were so lost. If, if we're growing to be like Jesus, it, we, we, should, we should be mindful of our servant status. A healthy, a healthy personal perspective is what I'm talking about here. I am not here to be served. I am here to serve. I, I, I've done away with pride. I've done away with this idea that I need to be at, at the top of the heap. And, and, and my, my goal here is to serve the people that are around me. And, I, and I've got that as a mindset. I am, I am not Lord, I am servant. Another, another strong quality that needs to be in our character is, is that of forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, being quick to forgive. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a refusal to harbor hatred, to harbor bitterness, and, 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 and a determination to right a relationship because I have determined that I'm just going to be a person to forgive. Regardless of how people respond to me, regardless of what they do to me, regardless of what they say, I'm going to be a person who forgives. I'm also going to be a person who's committed to holiness. And what that means is purity. And this is important because it's not purity as I define it, as I define what's right, what's wrong, what's in, what's out, this is as God defines it. This is what, as God's word defines what's right, as God's word defines what's pure. And I'm going to live according to God's. I'm, I'm, I'm going to seek to center my life and my mind on the things of God. I'm going to, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, to set your mind on things above. And that's what I'm going to do. God's, God's word is going to be purely written into my heart and I'm going to be and I'm going to be holy and 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 upon that I'm going to make a determination in my character to to be committed to obedience I will be ever obedient a determination true to truly follow Jesus begins with a mindset to follow Jesus even when I don't understand even when I don't understand and there there are there are moments I'm sure that you've been like me that you read the Bible you go huh what and then we start thinking, you know, I, I got to think about that for a while. No, I don't. If God told me to do something or to not do something, that's the end of the discussion. In, in my heart, I've set him apart as Lord, and I'm going to be ever obedient to his call. And we, we should grow to be like Jesus in our character, and that moves to our actions. Not only in our character, but in our actions. The way that we live this out, uh, actions are how I actually live out my character. The character forms my belief system. My actions are how I respond to that belief system. And it starts with abiding in the Word of God. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a person that in my actions, I am daily in God's Word, and I'm daily bringing it into my life, and I'm daily dealing with what it says and how it applies to me. And secondly, I'm, I'm going to be unashamed. I'm not going to stand, you know, like, like afraid to say who I am or f- afraid of, of what I know to be true, which by the way is how a lot of Christians respond. I didn't want to go there because people are going to just turn it off. No, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say yes or no, right, wrong. That, that's, that's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says. I'm going to be a people who, a person who is not afraid to stand up for the truth and, and, and the power of God and his word. I'm, I'm going to be a person who is bearing fruit in my character and in leading other people to Jesus. I take on the character of Christ and I'm living it and I lead as many people to him as possible. I speak up. I stand out. I'm unashamed. 
Number four, I'm going to be committed to faithful stewardship. I'm going to realize that I do not own anything. Everything in my life is not mine. It's on loan. God has put it into my hands so that I can use it for Him. And I'm going to steward. I'm going to manage the things that are in my life according to the will of God, according to the way that God tells me to to manage it. And, And number five, I'm going to rightly prioritize my life. And what I mean by this is Jesus first. Jesus first. Jesus doesn't get what's left over or if there's anything left over, he gets the first fruit. And, there's, there, and if there's a conflict, he wins. And I'm just telling you, friends, the 21st American Christian really needs to think about this. Because for the average Christian, what happens is, Jesus, yeah, I love Jesus, and I'll get to him when everything else gets worked out. No. My life is calendared with Jesus first. He's the priority And then last, I'm going to live to lift up the burdens of others. I'm a servant, and in my daily life, it's what I'm going to do. Reaching out to people who are in need and meeting those needs. You want want to know what maturity looks like? Here it is. It's bound up in these character traits and these daily actions. When, when, When God comes into your life, He becomes your Lord, your boss, your master. And your responsibility is to submit to His leadership And that leads to a second truth. If you want to grow to be like Jesus, you must realize that growth is hard work. There's nothing easy about it. And and what that means is I need to make a personal investment. Years ago, Brenda and I traveled in a group called Impact Brass and Singers. It was while we were in choir, while we were in college, and we were in choir first, then we got into Impact. Impact was the touring group from our school that was kind of like the number one recruiting group and we would we we put together these programs there were singers there were there was brass a brass backup a whole rhythm section there were screens five screens that 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 illustrated all the stuff that we were singing and all the dramas that were going on all the passage scripture all the points i mean it was pretty elaborate thing we traveled literally all over the country in two years we were in 48 states and I'll never forget one, one, one time, years and years, I mean, this, this is back like in the, in the summer of 1979, we were in Ohio. And I have, I, me and a couple of guys, see what we would do is we would come in, our bus would pull up to a church, we would unload tons and tons and tons of equipment, we'd set it up, we'd do the program, and then we would go home with people in the church and spend the night, and then we would the next morning load up and be on our way to the next place. And this, on this one particular night, there were a couple of us guys that were staying with a, a young single guy from the church. And uh, he, he took two or three of us home with him. And I, what, what amazed me about him is that he was a marathon runner. He was a marathoner. And his life revolved around marathons. His job, his diet, his spending, his schedule his relationship. He wasn't married and he wasn't in a relationship simply because he was a marathon runner. He had made a serious investment. He had a job that allowed him to have lots of time off because he was either in training or he was traveling someplace. He didn't have all the niceties of life and he was, he was driving an old junker car because he was spending thousands of dollars a year on airfare and hotels and running gear and all, the, all that stuff. I mean, his diet, his his exercise, his routines was dictated by the fact that he was a marathon runner. He was serious. And here's the deal. If you want to grow to maturity in your Christian life, 
It requires that you make that same kind of commitment, investment. Growing to maturity in your Christian life isn't easy. It's hard work. And that's the problem. Too many Christians are casual in their Christian walk. I love Jesus, but I don't want to be a fanatic. I love Jesus, but I don't want people looking at me going, huh? So many Christians attend worship, and that's where it ends. They're not involved anywhere else in the church. And truth be known, even their attendance in church is sporadic. It's not a weekly thing. It's, it's more a couple of times a month thing or when something better doesn't come along. These kinds of Christians do not have Jesus on the front burner of their life. Oh, oh, he's on the stove, but it's on the back burner. He's important, but there are many other things that are more important. They've moved to the front. They've moved to their core. And so their involvement with Jesus, the average Christian's involvement looks something like this. I come to worship when I come. And then, and then out here is my Christian life. And i kind of involved in that too. I come to church and I walk out the door. And for most people then, what they do, most Christians, is they compartmentalize their lives. I've I, I got, I got my Christian life. I've got my family life. I've got my marriage. I've got, I've got my kids. I've got my work life. I've got my hobby life. Jesus is just one more thing in my life. He's on my to-do list. He's just one of many things to do. But here's the deal, friends. To be maturing as a disciple, this picture is completely inadequate. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is simply this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to grow. So to grow, to grow, to be the person God has called you demands that you make him the priority. He is the priority. My heart, my soul, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Everything within me is focused and pointed at him and him first. In other words, he's the center, he's the core, and everything revolves around Jesus. The core of your being your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength is focused on Him. You're committed to knowing Him, to loving Him, to walking with Him, to following Him, and you're committed to being obedient to His ways. Now, to be that person, it begins with knowing His Word. People who are mature disciples are people who have a strong grasp, a strong understanding in knowledge of God's Word, and that centers in focusing in on God's Word, which raises an important question. How are we, how are we the Grove, going to lead you to do that? Well, that's what the second area of our mission statement is all about, growing strong, the process-free, growing depth knowledge of God's Word and commitment to walking with Jesus looks like this. And here's what we're calling you to do. Lesson Lab Life. This whole middle section for the vast majority of Christians has been taken out. What I want to suggest to you is is this is where we've got to start. It begins with weekly worship. And and for the the illustration here, I I want to call this the lesson. Come to church on Sunday morning. We're here to praise God, to worship Him. And one of the things we're here to do is hear God's Word taught and proclaimed because what we want to do is hear it and know it and love it. So we come. 
And we, and we give to God. We give to God our praise. We give to God our minds and our hearts to hear what He would have to say, us, say to us. And then we want you to take these three steps in the, in, in the coming week. You, you've heard a lesson. Now what we want you to do is move it to the lab. Maybe some of you took high school chemistry class. Any of, any of you do that? High school chemistry class, you, you know what I'm talking about. You walk in and there's, there's actually two rooms. One is the lecture hall and one is the lab. So you'll come in and you'll sit over here in, in, in the lecture hall and there will be a teacher or professor who will, who will, give, you, who will give you a lesson. And, and they say, okay, you take this chemical and you mix it with this chemical and these amounts, you put, it, you put in this liquid in it and then you, you mix it up under heat and then this is what happens. You get it, so you take notes, you figure this all out and then you get up and you move to the lab. And this is where we're going to take the lesson and we're going to put feet on it. So we actually get those chemicals and we actually get the Bunsen burner and we start mixing it all together and we start watching what happens and we start looking for the reaction. We want to do much the same thing here at the Grove. We want you to hear a lesson like you're hearing right now. And then what we want you to do is take the truths of that lesson and take it to the lab where you begin to kick it around. Now for us, the lab contains three very specific things. The first is a personal quiet time. Personal quiet time is the place where you get alone with God. You dig into the disciplines. Prayer. Reading. Bible study. Journaling. Memorization. Meditation. Fasting. Now, honestly, when it comes to a personal quiet time, this is, this is where a whole lot of Christians struggle. They, they have a desire, but they, they, just don't, they just don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. They don't, they don't know where to go. So, so we're here to help. As of right now, we're, we're now announcing another class that's going to be offered. It's, it's called Developing Spiritual Intimacy with God. You've heard me mention that this is coming. It's officially here. The book is written. It's all ready to go. And we are now getting ready to start signups for our first class. It's going to be held on February 23rd. I have room for 19 of you to take 19 of you through this. So when service is over, what you just need to do is stampede to the table. And if anybody gets in your way, just knock them out because that's what Jesus would do, right? Well, maybe not. Okay. So any, anyway, what, what, what we want to do is give you the tools, the abilities to make this happen. The class will happen one time. It'll be a four-hour class. It's a primer on what a spiritual time with God looks like. And so what we want you to do is get into this class. Now, on top of that, what we're going to do is continue to provide helps for you on an ongoing basis. We already do this. In your, in your bulletins today are questions, things to think about this week as you've heard this lesson. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to write daily Bible studies as we move into series and, and for you to think about and for you to dig in that, that way. So you take the lesson and then you move it to the lab. It begins in your daily quiet time where you get alone with God. And then to that, you need to add a small group. The small group is the place where you take the message to the next level. You bring your questions to your small group. 10, 12, 14 of you gather in a home, gather here at the church. And this, this is where you start looking for specific ways to apply these truths. Now, you, you may come and you say, you know, Derek said this, or the, the, peop, the person who was speaking said this, and, and I've been in my daily Bible study, and I'm, and I'm wondering about you, you. You have questions. This is the place where you bring them. You bring them to your small group, and your small group facilitator leader is going is to help walk you through that so you get that and you understand it. You're going to take it around. You're going to kick the tires, so to speak, and you're going to do that together. And then you're going to pray for each other and you're going to encourage each other as we're all taking steps. 
Now, the truth is, in our congregation right now, there's about 120 people that are involved in small groups. And what we want to do is get every, every person in our church in a small group. And that means you. So let me just say, if you are not in a small group right now, we're getting ready to start the book of James in two weeks from today. And this is a great time for you to, for you to kick in. If you do not have a small group in the, in the seat right in front of you, there's a white card. I would encourage you to pull out that white card, write your name on it, and then on the back right, I need a small group. Turn it in, make sure we have your name, your numbers, and, and we will get you in a small group. So you, you come, you, get, you, you hear a lesson in a worship service. And then from there, you take it out to the lab, your quiet time, your small group, and then a chord. A chord is a very, very, very small group. It's made up of just two or three people. People you know well. People you completely trust. People that you can unveil your heart to. There's all these one another passages in the New Testament, like, like, encourage one another or pray for one another. And those are, those are not so difficult to do. But one of the one another passages says, confess your faults to one another. And when we get there, that's, you know, when I get to my small group, and there's 14 people around, I don't know that I really want to bear my soul to that level. I want to know what God's word says. I want to know how it applies. But confess my faults, I'm not sure. Accord is the place where you do that. Accord is a place where you get totally accountable. These are the people who are going to love on you and encourage you and admonish you. These are, these are the people that are going to kick you upside the nose when you need to be kicked upside the nose. Believe it or not, I have moments in my life when I need somebody to kick me upside the head. If you, if you want to grow to be like Jesus, you need this. You need to get committed to worship. In fact, every one of you ought to right now be saying, I'm going to be in worship every week. It's what I'm going to do. Every week, unless I'm out of town. And if I'm out of town, I'm going to look for a church where I am and I'm going to be in church there because I, I need to be in a place where I'm, I'm being focused to worship on God and listen to, his, listen to His truth complain. And then from there, I'm going to take it and I'm going to be involved every week in a quiet time, in a small group, in a chord. And then from there, I move it out to my life. Now, here, here, here's, the, here's the deal, folks. If you really want to get serious about living the Christian life, that what you need to do is get serious about putting these things into your life. Your Christian life needs all of these undergirding it if you are seriously going to grow to be like Jesus. And that leads to a third thought. And that's simply this, determine. Determine to commit. Determine to commit to grow to maturity in your Christian walk, in your Christian life. We're encouraging you to commit today. As we begin this new year, I can't think of a better commitment to make. In 2020, I will take significant steps in my growth to be like Jesus. I will grow strong. And if you're going to grow strong in your Christian walk, then you need to commit. You need to commit to, to, these, to these four things. Weekly worship, weekly, weekly small group, daily Bible study, and accord. I will, be, I will do these things. And to help you do this, I want to encourage you to commit to a couple of principles. And the first one is this, make Jesus the priority. And let me encourage you to circle the word the. Jesus doesn't want to be a priority in your life. He wants to be the 
priority. There's nothing more important than my relationship with God. Everything else is subservient to that. In other words, I schedule my life around Jesus. I don't schedule Jesus into my life. I schedule my life around Jesus. He's number one. He is the priority. He's the priority on my calendar. Nothing else gets in the way. If I need to say no to something, it will not be Jesus. So what needs to be prioritized? The things we've just talked about. Worship, small group, daily Bible study, my cord. I'm just telling you, friends, I'm amazed at the number of things that Christians live with the priority in their life. My job, my car, my hobby, my kids. And in the same breath, I hear the excuses about why Jesus is shoved to the back burner. You just don't understand the busyness of my life. No, I do understand it because I live in it. Brenda and I struggle with the exact same things. So much to do, so much on our plate. But here's the deal. If I'm going to be growing to be like God, He's the authority in my life, and I've got to put Him at the focus, the center of my life. So let me encourage you, friends, to refuse to live with anything but Jesus on the throne of your life. Say no to anything that takes you away from God. If it's getting in the way of what you ought to be doing, then say no to it. So make Jesus the priority. And then take a second step to help you here, and that's to reject the philosophy of the world. Reject it. The minute you make Jesus number one, you're going to hear all kinds of people start calling you names. You're one of those Bible thumpers. You're a fanatic for Jesus. And I'm, I'm just telling you, wear that, wear that label with pride because that's exactly who we are. I, I love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I am a fanatic for Jesus. Does anybody here have a problem with that? I hope not. And you know what? I, w- I want to say the same thing about you as well. And that's exactly the point that Paul's making. I I need to reject anything that gets in this way. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't, Don't conform. This word conform literally means do not allow the world to to shove you into its mold to make you like the world so you think and reason and act like the world. That would be the wrong thing for you to do. Paul says because of who God is, because of the mercies of Jesus, the mercies of God in your life, because of all that he's done, for all that he's given you, for all that he's forgiven, for the home that he's creating for you in heaven, for, 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 for his love and his grace and forgiveness has been poured out upon you, because of that, you, you ought to make a determination to live to please him. And it begins with rejecting the world. The mind and the heart of Jesus is completely different than the heart and the mind of the world. And when you become a Christian, you reject the thinking of the world. You repent. You turn to Jesus. You think in a new way. You act. You respond in a new way. And my encouragement, continue down that road. Continue. Every time someone suggests to you that you're a bit crazy for believing and more for living for Jesus, you just assure them and assure yourself that you're not. Because here's the truth. The day is coming that we're going to die and we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And here's my promise to you. On that day, you will not be disappointed that you chose to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you chose to live for Him. Right, church, right? 
On that day, there's going to be a lot of people that are kicking themselves saying, how could I have been so stupid? I don't want to be among them. I want to be among those people that know who Jesus is, recognize him when I run into him, and, and, and have lived my life so that he could say, well done. So here at the beginning of 2020, I want to encourage you to commit to growing strong in, in your walk with Jesus. Make him the priority. Reject the philosophy of the world, and then allow your mind to be transformed. Paul goes on. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you get God's word into your mind and you start allowing it to infiltrate and take over, what begins to happen is you are able to test and approve what God's will is because you know him, because you're walking with him, because you, you are closely knit with him. This word transform in the Greek is really metamorphosis. It's what happens to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly from this earthly thing that walks and, you know, with all those legs and you know, moves across the ground to this beautiful thing with the wings where it's sprouted and it's flying. It's what God wants to accomplish in your life. He wants to bring a metamorphosis to you to change you literally. And my encouragement, allow it to happen. Allow it to happen. And that miracle begins with you concentrating on truth. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That will lead straight to death. Instead, the change that God wants to bring to you is described in the Bible. So, allow him to metamorphosis you by focusing on the Bible and its truth. The Bible is our guide. And you need to focus right there. The Bible tells us how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to respond and what we're supposed to look like. Follow the commandments of, of the Bible. Follow the command of Colossians 3.16. Because in Colossians 3.16, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. The path to growing strong is is knowing God's word. So read it, memorize it, meditate. Let it dwell in you richly. And if you want to grow strong, you need to add one more thing to your life, and that's a mentor. Follow a mentor. Get a person in your life who's a strong, mature, Christ-like person and ask that person to help you along. Meet with them regularly. Give them permission to, to lead you. Follow Colossians 3.16. Do you allow this person to teach and admonish you? with all wisdom. And let me encourage you, friends, that you need to very, very, very carefully select who this person is. Because if you're going to have your mind influenced, your heart influenced, you want to make sure that the person who is influencing it is a person who's going to influence it in the way and the will of God. So choose that person carefully and then submit to accountability to that person. When you allow yourself to be mentored by that older, wiser follower of Christ, they're going to tell you there are certain things that need to change, that need to be different, things that you need to seek, things that you need to reject. Submit. Put your life into their hands. Submit to them. So let's take a moment and review really quickly, friends. The mission Statement of the Grove is deeply rooted, growing strong, producing fruit. Would you say that with me? The, the mission statement of the Grove is deeply rooted, growing strong, producing fruit. Let's say it again. The mission statement of the Grove is deeply rooted, growing strong, producing fruit. In, in a chart form, it looks, it looks like this. We begin deeply rooted. We come into relationship with Jesus. This is evangelism. 
And once we've made a decision for Jesus, and we're helping you to do that by Roots Class and Foundations, we want you grounded in your faith. From there, we're moving into the two second pieces, growing strong, producing fruit. Deeply rooted is something that happens once in your life. And then from there, you spend a lifetime growing strong and producing fruit. We're going to be talking about producing fruit next week. But what I want you to see is it's a circular pattern because you are deeply rooted and now you're growing strong. And as you're producing fruit, what that means is you're leading somebody else in their life to be deeply rooted so that they can grow strong and produce fruit by helping somebody else to be deeply rooted. It's, it's an ever moving cycle that is, that is going deeper and deeper and deeper. The goal is to make you into a spiritual parent, a spiritual grandparent, a spiritual great, 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 great grandparent as you are leading somebody to the Lord who's leading somebody to the Lord who's leading somebody to the Lord. Now, this is, this is it right here. And friends, we're, we're, we're serious about this here. So serious that we're putting together tools. A roots class is in place. Foundations, I'm looking for the first group to take through that. The intimacy with God class, we're, we're talking about that and we want you to get signed up because we are serious about helping you to become the person God wants you to be, to be mature in your faith. And I'm just telling you, there isn't anything more important in this life than your walk with God. So make it the priority. Pursue it. Let me encourage you to bow your heads. Would you do that? And my question, friend, is what needs to change right now? What commitment do you need to make right now? What step do you need to take right now? My encouragement is to not be afraid. My encouragement is to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Move me, change me, transform me, use me. And Father, I pray that you'll help all of us to to together make this choice, that you and you alone will be the priority of our life, that you will be the center, that you will be the heart and the soul of who we are, what we believe, how we act, how we live, how we respond. Our goals, our purposes, our hearts. And Lord, I just, I just pray that you'll help all of us to very confidently move forward in this very positive thing of allowing you to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. So direct us, Father, guide us. And we lift it in the name of Jesus, who is the only one who makes it possible. And God's people said,